Welcome to the Pilot's Journey Podcast, where we discuss aviation and the steps involved in maintaining proficiency while enjoying the journey. I'm Stuart Stevenson, a.k.a. Pilot Stu, a private pilot in North Dallas. And my name is Stuart Stoll, a.k.a. CFI Stu, a certified flight instructor near Fort Worth, Texas. This episode, we get back into the swing of things. After a little time off, we begin recording again. And exactly where were we? Uh, well, I'd, that's a good question. I've I've gone through some difficulties in trying to record this podcast in the past like month or so. I, I even missed an episode. I remember you were flying solo, and uh, on one of the podcasts. But uh, my dog has. I think my dog is not a fan of the podcast. I have to say, he uh, he ate both of my microphones that I had to record the uh, the podcast, and so. I spent some time trying to find a good, decent microphone for serious podcast recording, and I came up with the MXL 990. And uh, if I could have gotten the Ustream to work tonight, uh, you could uh, I would have been showing it off in this beautiful desk stand. It's very shiny. I like it. It's also metal, so that means that dogs probably can't eat it as easily. Well, uh, I don't know where my dog is right now, but... Uh, I wouldn't hold it past him to try. <laughs> yeah, he eats everything. And I, my wife thought I was going to probably wind up killing the dog, I think, there for a little bit. Uh, I was so angry because uh, my headset was actually a gift given to me. And uh, it wasn't a cheap one, but um, it was a headset. It was it's, uh, For those of you listening, I guess if my, my previous headset it was the uh, G35 uh, by Logitech headset. I think it was intentionally for like computer gaming, but it's a really nice over the ear headset with 7.1 Dolby digital surround sound with the nice bass to it. And then the microphone had this noise canceling background, pretty crisp, uh, crisp, clear microphone. And so I was really enjoying it there for a while, but the dog decided the microphone was mostly rubber and the dog just went right through that. And then I had no backup microphone because then my other Logitech headset that I was using, it was a really cheap one, actually. I was like a, I don't know, like a $15 USB Logitech headset. The dog just destroyed that completely. But but here I am. I'm back with you guys again. I'm ready to record. Uh, hopefully I sound better than ever. No, it sounds great. I think you made a good choice. So what have you been doing since uh, since uh, I've been gone for so long? Well, uh, we, t- we have met... And recorded once since Oshkosh, and that's kind of the highlight of my year so far. Okay. Uh, since then, I haven't done a lot of flying. Um, I think just twice, which is really terrible. Um, I had one incident where I uh, had a friend that I took out to the Cardinal and did a pre-flight and walked through everything, got it all set, um, and the sucker just wouldn't crank. The battery was dead. Oh, oh no. So we put it away and uh, went and had Mexican food instead. I guess that's the next best thing you can do. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Um, well, not about the airplane, not the Mexican food's pretty cool because I have a craving for that right now. You were planning to fly yesterday. How did that go? Uh, I, I called up, got scheduled to fly a Piper Arrow, an Arrow 3, actually, I think. Um, and uh, I showed up to go, to go fly that airplane and... Um, uh, there was a CFI check ride earlier in the day, and the FAA examiner didn't want to go fly because there was, it was you know, few clouds <laughs> uh, at like 2,500 feet. 
So they pushed it back into my slot and they canceled my slot and they gave it to the check ride. So I understand how important some check rides are, but I was really kind of looking forward to go flying that. And you were actually going to fly for yourself and not a student. Can you believe it? I know. Uh, you have, every now and then you have to remember why aviation is fun. You have to do something <laughs> to remind you why you're in it. And uh, that's always a good reason is to go out and find a good rating. And I have to say, if you're in the DFW area, U.S. Flight Academy, located out of Denton, has the cheapest rental rates I've ever seen out of any, out of any airport or FBO or flight school in the DFW area so far. Um, what, what does the Arrow go for? The Arrow goes for, well, there's, there's three different rates. If you put money on an account, you can get a block rate. Or there's just the normal rate, and then there's the instructor discount rate. <laughs> so I, of course, was using the instructor discount rate there for a while. I don't want to misquote because I don't remember which one it is, but I think if any normal person off the street goes in, gets checked out in the arrow, thinks it's just an hour checkout and a little bit of paperwork. There's kind of like a little written that they make you do for insurance. Um, I think it's 135 an hour, and that's wet. And that's a that's a complex 200 horsepower aircraft, um, and there was a location, and I can say their name, SkyMavs, out of Meacham, because SkyMavs is no longer in business. But I had previously the the previous year had rented a 172s model Skyhawk, and flew my family up to Tulsa in that, and that was 135 an hour for a 172s. So I think. You know, that arrow, that arrow with, uh, you know, it's almost high performance. It's definitely complex. Um, it's pretty cheap. And they have other, they have other better aircraft here. They rent diamonds also. And the diamonds also, I think the diamond 20s are also about 135 an hour. So, uh, for the quality of aircraft, I mean, other than something that's not a really slow Cessna, if you really want to rent an airplane that goes someplace, man, I really recommend, I'm very impressed with the U.S. Flight Academy. However, if you do rent from them, and you do happen to go, you know, drive all the way to Denton from the DFW area and find yourself all of a sudden no longer on the schedule for the airplane because there's a check ride that took over. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't mind cutting some slack for someone taking a check ride. Right, right. I don't either. That's true. I don't either. And I've been there in that spot, especially the CFI check ride, because that's what it was. And I, I remember just. Scheduling check rides with FAA examiners is not easy. They're accommodating where they'll drive out to whatever airport you want to. The FAA will actually come and meet you at Denton, which is really nice. But they're always so busy, and they work those government hours, and then um, and it always gets canceled or pushed back. And there's a waiting list too, so you you have to wait like about a you know a good two or three months to get a check ride and. Or at least I had to. I, I hope their process has changed since then. But I remember waiting forever <laughs> to get a check ride. I heard one of the theories uh, for CFI, first CSI check ride, which has to be the FAA. Um, it was someone that was taking their CFI course in Oklahoma City, which has a FISDO there. But their theory was they, and he was a part 61, that his theory was to wait till the 141 school graduated a class of about a dozen CFI candidates and schedule his check right about the same time. And what he found was that the FAA would get overloaded, and so they would uh, use the designated pilot examiners to do a uh, CFI check right. And they were tend to be a little more forgiving and a little more, uh, a little less stressful, let's just put it that way. 
Yes, that's uh, exactly right. I know uh, there's actually schools who employ that tactic. Uh, I think ATP, based out of Arlington, well, one of their schools is based out of Arlington, uses that tactic where they have academies, and what they do is they just overload the Oklahoma City FISDO with all their 8710s for all these CFI applicants, and then they are allowed to use their own designated examiners who are very familiar with their curriculum and stuff. So they 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 have it down to a science <laughs> ATP, I believe. And uh, but it's it's interesting seeing a whole school do that. But uh, yeah, I have heard of that. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get that uh, that treatment. <laughs> you talked about the arrow, and uh, that's one of my favorite planes these days. The uh, I'm actually planning a trip. So uh, later this month down to the hill country of Texas for a weekend with the family and uh, had originally just planned on using the Club Cardinal. But that one is already booked up that particular weekend. So I went to my favorite aero backup at uh, an FBO out in Rockwall, which is uh, about an hour's drive from where I live. But that one is scheduled for an annual the week before. And although the owner says he doesn't know of any problems, it's a 1968 model. So he said there will probably be something crop up during the annual. Well, the, that arrow that I was going to rent is, is far from perfect. <laughs> I think uh, it has uh, it has a lot of interesting quirks to it. I think it's airworthy, but if it's airworthy, it's probably just barely, truthfully. Um, they, uh, you know, the right... Right fuel gauge bounces quite a bit, and you know I think um, I think it's only got one nav that works, but due to some com uh, communication complications or some I'll just say com complications, uh, you can't listen to nav audio, so it's not really IFR certified. It's got a lot of nav equipment problems, and um, but it flies and it flies faster than a 172, so <laughs> I really like it. Well, the wheels tuck up underneath, and that's always a, a fun thing to do. It's yeah, it's always fun reducing that that parasite drag. So, well, for my trip to Hill Country, I ended up having to go to one of the uh, the regular FBOs and renting a, a 172. I've got that reserved, and it's been quite a while since I've flown with them, so I've got to do another checkout. And, oh, okay. Uh, it, it's turning into quite an ordeal to, to to do it, but I'm still hoping the arrow is available when I actually get to that weekend. Okay, yeah, uh, I do too. That'd be great. That'd be great if we could go and, and rent an arrow together. We need to go fly together sometime, Stuart. There is a place I was trying to get checked out, and um, you mentioned the Cardinal. It reminds me of, of my attempt to get checked out in a 182, uh, uh, was it Skyline? And um, uh, that didn't go too well. Uh, they wanted a 10 hours uh, a 10-hour checkout with an instructor and everything, and to get a high-performance rating, I needed to get that. And um, I flew for about one hour, and with the instructor and for the training in the one hour, and he did some ground. I don't know why he did ground. I'm already a flight instructor, so I think he was milking me, and I knew it. But it wound up costing me $400 for one hour of training in this airplane. And I was like, I'm not doing the full 10 hours. I'm, I left after that. I like Skylanes, but not that much. Yeah, I love, I love Skylanes. Yeah, he wanted to do an hour of ground. Uh, I have the same job as you, you know, 
cut me some slack here. I know this. And then we went flew it. I flew it perfectly. We were doing power off 180s in it and stuff over at Alliance Airport, uh, Kilo Alpha Foxtrot Whiskey. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun flying the airplane. But not for $400, sorry. <laughs> well, that's one of the things I found is it's really hard to find a good FBO that's got semi-modern planes at affordable rates. Uh, and that US, USA Flight Academy, while it's not convenient to me, it, they are one of the few places that has the diamonds or the uh, the light sports that you know are less than 30 years old. Right. If it's, and I understand why you need the 10 hours checked out in this airplane, but U.S. Flight Academy does have a brand new uh, um, diamond uh, twin star. I think they actually have two of them now to rent. And it takes a 10-hour checkout, though. You have to spend 10 hours in it um, because it's they consider it their baby. It really is their baby, so they wanted to take good care of it. But um, uh, I think that airplane goes for about $300 an hour, though. Um, but it is, you know, a high performance twin. It's got the brand new leather seats. It's all glass cockpit. I think, I think it even when you rent it, I think they even provide Bose headsets. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, I probably shouldn't have said that, but, um, when I was checking it out, there was Bose headsets in it on the seats. So, uh, it's a gorgeous airplane. It has those diesel engines though on it. Um, I think they're going to replace the engines on their twin stars last time I checked, but. Well, for someone like me that doesn't have their multi yet, that 10 hours wouldn't be a problem because it's going to take about that to get the multi rating, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it'll, it, yeah, I went to, I got my multi rating with, um, ATP, um, and you paid up front there. I, I kind of like that. So they really spent their time on me, but, uh, I got my multi in 10 hours there. I think you, you bought a block 10 hour time. The first day I think we flew for, two hours the next day we flew for six hours and then the third day was my check ride which was two hour check ride and i landed with a total of 10 hours in my multi and of that 10 hours how much time did you actually fly with two engines spinning uh about half of it <laughs> oh really uh, that's more than i thought <laughs> yeah it's well you know i guess technically vmc that engine is still spinning but it's at idle but there's a lot of VMC work. Um, for those of you who don't know what VMC is, that's a demonstrating the minimum controllable airspeed with one engine running. It's it's kind of tricky maneuver. Um, once you, I think it's one of those maneuvers that once you build a basic understanding of what's happening with the airplane, the maneuver gets a lot easier. Um, and then the whole killing the engine and just going through the emergency checklist to restart it, things like that. But the VMC took the most time for me because I had to get the order down. But, you know, by the time I got to my check ride, it came pretty natural to me. Well, have you done any flying then, uh, personally, other than that that one aero trip? Uh, well, um, not lately. Um, I wound up uh, quitting my job. I'm no longer a flight instructor with the U.S. Flight Academy. Uh, so I'm currently unemployed. So employers out there... Uh, Please send your emails to, you know, CFI Stu at PiratesJourneyPodcast.com, and you may get a resume back. But I have some. Um, I'm looking at this uh, uh, flight instructor management position for a brand new school that's going to be taking over where Sky Maps was um, out at Fort Worth Meacham. I'm kind of looking at, at stuff like that. 
Um, so I haven't been flying lately this week at all, which is depressing. I was really hoping to fly a lot this week. Um, I am, uh, I'm trying to go fly the arrow again on Monday. Um, we're going to try to go do that. And, um, maybe, uh, uh, I've been talking up hard eights barbecue a lot to my family and friends and uh, my parents. I think I'm going to take my parents to go eat some barbecue out at Stephenville. Let them try that. Uh, I haven't had that in a while. Just don't tell them there's also one right by DFW Airport. <laughs> a hard eight? So I thought there was only two. I thought one was out in like uh, way, way south Texas, and then there's one in Stephenville. Where's there's one by DFW? There's one on Royal Lane now, uh, right over by DFW. Really? Uh, yes. Now the one in oh. Stephenville is still better, mainly because of okay. how you get there. But uh, is it the same? The outside cooker and everything? Everything seems to be about the same. But I'd still rather fly to get there to the one in Stephenville. The barbecue just seems to taste better after some uh, avgas has been expended. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, definitely definitely fly to Stephenville and get some barbecue there. They uh, get to drive a nice golf cart and <laughs> go across the street and eat and take off. Plus, it just has a better, I think it has a better atmosphere. I can't, I can't imagine the atmosphere being as good at the one in DFW. Yeah, speaking of Stephenville and the restaurant there, that's one thing that I think Texas is really behind a lot of the other states that I hear about in that there's just not a lot of good on-field restaurants around here. Oh, yeah, there's not. I absolutely agree. Um, I only know of maybe three or four restaurants in Texas that you can get to by airplane. Um, there's one, and there's, there's one at Hicksfield that's very pilot-oriented. It's a hamburger joint. And it's all right, but it's where you can get the Bonanza burger. I think it's a whole pound. It's a one-pound hamburger, and uh, you can golf that down. Then you got to worry about being overgross when you leave. Yeah, yeah. They need to make the aft CG hamburger because <laughs> that's what you're going to be when you get back in the airplane. Well, that's about pretty much what's been going on. Um, I guess uh, for the listeners noticing, this is our first podcast without a. Uh, uh, without a guest, there's kind of talks about going to be changing up the format of the show slightly. One of the things that we've gotten some feedback on is that uh, people like it when they just kind of hear the natural hangar talk and not so much of a uh, you know a presentation per se. So we'll try to make it a little more relaxed, not quite as scripted, and uh, still try to get guests involved. I think, but uh, yeah, a lot of it on just free form hangar talking. That we'll still have a topic. But um, we'll try to make it a little more personal and a little more interactive. That's right, yeah. I think it'll be better. I have high hopes for this show. And, uh, you know, we do want to invite listeners to uh, to get in touch with us and let us know what you'd like to hear, both in format and in content. And uh, we'll you know do whatever we can to, to accommodate that. And if you've got something you'd uh, like to, to join us and tell a few stories or uh, something that you think is important that we all discuss, then get in touch with us and we'll, we'll see if we can't get you on. Yeah, definitely. If you have a, uh, if you listen to one of the topics on our shows and you have a personal experience relating to one of the topics or, um, uh, or, or anything relating to it rather, uh, just give us a call and uh, you may find yourself on our show. One of the other things we plan to do is to stream shows live on Ustream as we're recording them. Uh, we had some technical difficulties which prevented that tonight, but hopefully in the future we'll be able to announce them on Twitter and uh, have you join us through chat rooms and some uh, dial-in capability perhaps. Hopefully we can have more uh, listener participation because that's what I, I personally really want out of this is to get a lot of good user participation out of the show.
Well, now that you're gainfully unemployed, mm-hmm. what is it that you're wanting to do? Are you thinking about corporate, airline, teaching? Yeah, um, I'm thinking about anything, really, that I can be successful in. It's a, it's a really hard job market out there, and um, there's just nothing in the States, really. Um, every now and then, some new flight schools open up, but, you know, they're closing more than they're opening, and, you know, the airlines aren't really hiring in the States, though, but... From what I've heard and what I'm seeing, there's a lot of job opportunities uh, overseas, and um, I'm starting to take more of a serious look into that. There's um, uh, China seems to be a very big one, um, where all these China airlines seem to be pretty desperate for captains and first officers for the airlines right now, and uh, I, you know it's probably due to their booming economy right now, but. You know they're they're paying ridiculous salaries for these captains over there. I think it's uh, climb to three fifty dot com is is saying that China is asking is paying their their captains of some of their airlines um, you know up to fourteen thousand dollars a month plus overtime and plus benefits and so you know money talks. <laughs> so I'm seriously kind of considering that a little bit and all the Chinese food you can eat and all the Chinese food you can eat. Um, uh, I don't know if there's any listeners out there that, uh, have flown or who fly for, or have flown for overseas airlines or have any experience with them. Um, but, uh, there's a whole bunch. There's other, there's other, um, job postings I'm seeing about, um, uh, you know, uh, I don't know about this one though, but I see a lot of uh, air aviation jobs about like flying cargo in, uh, Iraq or something, uh, civilian jobs. And, um, you get, you get paid very well, and then there's plus it's tax free, and plus you get additional hazard pay on top of that. So it winds up being pretty profitable too. But I don't know. Flying's kind of hazardous in and of itself. I don't know if you need to add more to that. But uh, man, again, you know, you go where the pilots go where the money is. I think. So the uh, thing I've heard about flying overseas is that if you can, you know, if your family life will support it, that for a couple of years you can make a lot of money, then. Uh, if you time it right, then you can come back to a U.S. job with lots of hours and lots of experience and uh, kind of basically sneak into the the, uh, the left seat a lot quicker. That's what I'm hoping for. They, uh, Yeah, I think China is only requiring a minimum of a one-year contract when you fly with them. And uh, uh, that would probably be all that you would need, really, is a year flying with them. Yeah, I mean, they make all the accommodations. They pay for everything. They put you up in five-star hotels and everything that you need. Your All your needs are met. And um, I have the hours for it, so we'll see. We'll see what the wife says. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a friend that uh, w- was actually born in Peru and became naturalized U.S. citizen when he was in high school. And he's been flying uh, corporate for the last couple of years. And had looked at one point at going to a Peruvian airline that was recruiting him real heavily. Uh, they were quoting six months uh, right seat in a 737 and then moved to captain. And he he considered that for a long time, and it was really only family considerations that he ruled it out. Uh, the money wasn't terrific, but the advancement was, and that would qualify him for an awful lot of positions in the U.S. Right, right. Yeah, um right now with my family situation, it's it's probably now or never. Um you know, we don't have a kid or anything. So Susie's job is taking her everywhere. In fact, right now she's in another country. My wife's in another country. Right now she's in Italy. Uh Rome, Italy right now on away on business. 
So, um, you know, we're a family that travels a lot anyway, and we're no stranger to long-distance relationships. So, I, you know, it would probably be pretty beneficial for me. I think I'm going to look more into it. Well, if she would stay in Fort Worth and you're going to be in China, that that could be an issue. Uh, probably, I wouldn't think it'd last more than a year. But <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would last more than a year either. You know, in that year, you could pay off my house and <laughs> you know do everything else. I invite any listeners who have this overseas experience or know anyone who's taken jobs in China or Iraq or anywhere else to. Um, uh, shoot us an email or uh, give us a call and um, uh, let us know how their experience was. I'm, I'm curious. I can't find any pilots who actually have been through this. So um, please send some feedback. Have you considered any of the, uh, I'll call them first rung type uh, commercial flying jobs, such as banner towing or uh, pipelines or anything like that? Oh, I haven't been able to find a good pipeline job. Um, I want to, I really want to get into maybe get my foot in the door through some aeromedical flying, maybe. Um, there's a King Air job flying uh, aeromedical or transport um, that I've been eyeing for a long time. I'm just waiting for, you know, the right door to open up for there. There's uh, an air cargo uh, company and... Um, I was looking at them uh, quite a bit. Um, I may consider that. I don't know. That, that's the only other two things in the States that I've seen that I might be able to get my foot in the door in there. Um, really just trying to keep It's. – I'm using this time off to update my logbook. Um, I'm nine months behind on my logbook right now uh, because it was stolen uh, a few months back. And uh, when you fly eight hours a day – it's hard to rebuild a logbook <laughs> when you fly so often. I've been using all my time just trying to get, you know, make sure all my, the hours do match what's in my logbook and all that are from my resume and, and just see where it goes. Like, like our podcast suggests, it's a journey. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, the Peruvian pilot I mentioned earlier, he's actually doing some air medical stuff now. Um, he's on four days a week, uh, and then off for, for four days. And it's two days during a, a 12-hour day shift and two, hour, two days with a 12-hour night shift. But uh, it's primarily air ambulance flying organs. They have Citation, uh, I believe a Lear, and a King Air. And he's really enjoying it. Uh, a lot of it's just because it gets a lot more family time this way because it really only flies. Uh, he, think he's, he thinks he's going to fly about 200 hours this year. Uh, so it gives him a lot of time off, and he also wants to start teaching again, so that gives him the ability to, to get some flexibility. There. Well, that's great. I'll trade with him. If he wants his, <laughs> if he wants to start teaching again and I want to do the aeromedical, that'd be great. He was doing straight corporate stuff until recently when he got that, and, and part of it was because uh, he, he really enjoys teaching and wants to be able to use his extra days to, to do that. Well, that's really, go- that's really good. I, I really enjoy teaching, too, actually. Um, it's a very satisfying experience when your students do pretty well. That's the hardest thing about leaving a job, a flight instructor job, is the students. <laughs> you know, you'd hate to let them down, but sometimes situations just call for it, I guess. So any other plans for flying anytime soon, uh, either personal or uh, do you have any private students you're working with? Um, I do, actually. I have, um, well, like I said, I'm, I'm going to try to fly that arrow again on Monday. I do have uh, one of my favorite students, I, I hope she's listening, but... Well, my favorite students that I had the most fun flying with, 
Her name is Gabby. It's short for Gabriella. And uh, she's coming down again and wants to do a biennial flight review. So I was going to go do a biennial flight review for her and catch up on old times and stuff. And um, that's about all I have on the Flying Horizon right now um, for the immediate future. I was going to probably do that biennial flight review on Saturday, probably go rent an airplane, and then on Monday go fly the Arrow, I guess. And that's all I got. That's all I have in the future for flying right now. Well, we do have to find a time to get together and actually fly together. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe even get the, uh, the Twin Star. You never know. Oh, I'll go in on the Twin Star for you. $150 an hour, I think, for the both of us to rent that Twin Star. Though the 10-hour checkout, I'm going to have to save up for the 10-hour checkout, though. But, <laughs> yeah, flying the Twin Star, we can go to Vegas. Well, with two of us, we each pay for one engine. It works fine. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's right. When we were talking earlier, you mentioned you'd had some excitement at your home airport in Denton recently. What was that? Right, right. Yeah, um, for those of you who've been following my Twitter feed, there was a uh, Seneca that had a gear collapse on the runway recently out there, too. I put some pictures on my Twitter feed, and uh, that was pretty interesting. It sounded like a, a 737 was landing and putting on its reverse thrusters. It was a loud, blasting noise is screaming down the runway. That Seneca went pretty far with only two of its three wheels down that runway. It's pretty interesting. But, yeah, it closed the runway for a while. Um, that was pretty exciting. And there was a Remos that crashed recently. And so there was there's that airport has been very active lately um, with some incidents. But Everyone okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Pilot's Journey podcast. We'd love to hear your questions, suggestions, or experiences. And you can reach us at our website, www.pilotsjourneypodcast.com. Or you can leave us voicemail at 469-277-2359. You can also follow me as Pilot Stu, that's S-T-U, on Twitter or MyTransponder.com. And you can reach me on Twitter or MyTransponder as CFI Stu, S-T-E-W, And until next time, go fly and enjoy the journey. Please note that this podcast is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own qualified flight instructor before attempting anything discussed in this podcast. Copyright 2009, Fully Stewed Productions.